April Fools. And this is Idle Thumbs 204. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Danielle Riendo. And I am James Spafford. Hi. Hey, this is Hello. Spaff, one of the original Idle Thumbs. In fact, I think you came up with the name Idle Thumbs, whoa, as I recall. Whoa, no maybe. kidding. I, is that I correct? should just take credit for that, even though it might not be correct. So, yes. <laughs> I, feel like I think it might, have, it might have been Bob or someone. Maybe Alex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Alex. I don't know. Uh, but you were there when the site was first created. When yes. we did this back in two thousand four, yeah, it was oh wow, with the guys. Yeah. Then you made it made it really popular and cool, and did this podcast. <laughs> so, you know, thanks. You're welcome. Cool by association now. So it's the best. Yeah. So uh, Jake is out this week, uh, but Spaff just moved to San Francisco from Brighton. I did uh, in the UK. Yeah, and then the United Not Kingdom like to work. Some Brighton, there's Alabama, probably like Brighton, Missouri. Missouri. There's, well, there's yeah. Brighton, Massachusetts. Which, oh, that's true. Uh, it totally yeah. is. I spent there a lot, are a lot of, time of very there. English. Sounding names in Massachusetts. Which I remember that. In, in use them all up on the one in state. New England. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. Right in the, in the, the current England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. New England supplanted the replacement England. England. Yeah, right. yes. yeah. yeah, England two point It's perfect. Um, so Jake's come Disneyland here to the replacement England. Oh, <laughs> that one is destroyed. This is it, what the whole thing's New England. This is new New England yeah. now. Yeah, true. Well, that's a thing in Infinite Jest, actually. New New England. Anyway. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you've been reading that. <laughs> Too much of it. <laughs> Welcome, Spaff. Thank you. Yeah. What's going on? Where's I don't Jake? Know. Where is it's he? It's weird not having Jake here. I, remember, <laughs> I realized is. how weird it is. There's a whole usually, section of the room that's just yeah. empty that usually yeah. has Jake and Jake's answers. Well, usually Jake and I spend like 30 seconds awkwardly bullshitting until we can figure out what we're actually talking about. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm just doing it with myself. So <laughs> you're in charge basically. Yeah. It's so. the worst. I hate it. You're yeah. the adult in the room now. But if I had to bet money, I would bet that Danielle's played like 4,000 games. I have in my life. Yeah. I would <laughs> really say none this week. Since last I've week. played like four since last week. <laughs> okay. But I'll probably only really talk about two of them because okay. they're, they're the more interesting ones to talk about. All right. Probably. What are any of them? Well, I've been playing a lot of Bloodborne still. Right. A ton of Bloodborne. I'm playing so much Bloodborne that I'm actually like... Like made of blood. <laughs> I am made of blood. I was born of blood. You were born right. from it's blood. It's true because my mother gave birth to me and there was a lot of blood. So I was blood Thanks. Born. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thanks for that. Anyway, anyway video games are a legitimate art form. Party <laughs> <laughs> games. Well, okay, so I'm playing this game. <laughs> I'm playing this game with a coworker for a Let's Play series that right. we're doing. Uh, and I'm also playing this with my girlfriend at night, like right. streaming it. And so when I'm not doing those things, I'm cutting the footage of the Let's Play series. So I'm I'm always looking. You're essentially consumed by Bloodborne. I really am. Yeah. I am just, my whole life is in blood right now, just written in blood. So did you dream of Bloodborne? Because that's what always happens when you... No, but I had a dream... That you will all appreciate. <laughs> I, had, I had a dream. I'm sorry. This is a little. That was your natural. That was your natural. Let me like, tell you, New, New I, Englander oratory. That was you were possessed. Well, you probably like, saw it in my eyes. New like, England, like era. Let me tell you. Very briefly, I had a dream that will interest all the people in the room, and it because it involves Steve Gainer. Not like that. <laughs> Oh, I had a dream about Steve, too. What? <gasps> what? Okay, yeah. go Danielle first. Okay, we've been incepted by Steve or something. Okay, I had a dream where I went over to, quote-unquote, Steve's office, 
where he had a VR game that was about dinosaur lesbians in space. <laughs> I am not even kidding. Wow, <laughs> mine is shockingly similar. <laughs> what? Anyway, that keep going. What oh my god, keep going. I mean, like that's pretty much it? the premise. Like you know, I I played this game, and of yeah? course, because it's How a dream, it? it becomes reality. So there were right. dinosaurs stalking me, and they were dinosaur lesbian people. It's weird. Dreams are weird. Anyway, I really liked it. I guess. And don't the Steve, game? it was a good game. Yeah. The <laughs> the game that became did you life. Actually, that think was it's also a good game, game, or did you just okay. tell Steve that it was a good game? And I told him it was a really good game, and he was very pleased. He good. just sort of smiled and nodded. He and probably was... just knowing Steve, he's probably like, "I know." <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good." Yeah. That's true. You're correct. One of the better ones. <laughs> no, that was I my... made it good on purpose. It, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, yours, Nick? My dream was that I went to Steve's office <laughs> and I had to play his new game. Uh, so it's literally the same dream. What? And What's I, going on? I don't remember exactly what day I had the dream. So hopefully, it was recent. It was, yeah, it was oh recent. Oh my god! And, um, but he wouldn't let me play test the game. In order, there was some like it was like you must be this tall kind of like requirement. <laughs> um, but no, but but the version of that for Steve's game was. Um, I had to basically become a cyborg and then fight <laughs> another cyborg. And if I won, I could play, play test his game. This is, that is <laughs> actually was, just... And that's not an exaggeration. It sounds like something I like made up. No, really, that's yeah. what the dream was. It was like, oh, you've got to like God, b- Steve, get a metal arm and then Steve fight this wishes, guy. And then you Steve can... wishes that's what he could do to like yeah. really gate people from playing this game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah, he let me play his game, game inside. I don't remember. Another sort I of muted, lost, so I never played it. Like exploration. Probably. It was about anyway, dinosaur lesbians. Uh, and yeah, you guys rad dreams. <laughs> Cyborgs, dinosaur lesbians, and Steve Gaynor. Yeah. Oh. In Steve's office, though. In Steve, yeah. it was yeah. in Steve's, Steve's office. office. Steve's I've never been. It's very specifically Steve's Apparently my office. brain wants to go to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway. that, was, that was a special moment in my life right yeah. there. Have you been playing Bloodborne as well, Nick? Because no. maybe Bloodborne makes you dream of that. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's that why. makes sense. <laughs> That no, makes I, so much I, sense. I haven't played Bloodborne, but it's what it's like. I didn't even know this game existed until a week ago. It's or I two. Yeah, I know. I didn't either. I don't. I mean, it's it's from it's a Souls Dark, game the Dark Souls with guys. Like crazy I like art. Souls Dark yeah. Souls a lot. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's really good and really hard and aesthetically in, insane. You know, like it's right. it's the what was it? Ed Hardy goes to Disneyland or something was. Jake oh, said no, Victorian last week. Ed Hardy. Victorian Ed Hardy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, Ollie Moss by way of Jake. Yes, yes. Good, good deep cut there. Um, but yeah, I talked about it last week, so I don't have to go on and on about mm. it or anything. But uh, man, if you Ed have Hardy goes to Disneyland though would be a good theme for something. It really would. <laughs> like uh, maybe Steve's next game. Just throwing it out there. I know. I prefer the one with the lesbian dinosaurs. To be <laughs> Maybe that's it was the same game. Great. In the internet era, that's just what the internet demands. It's like every concept. Yeah, can't go wrong with that. That's just the classic yeah. internet. Like, what is a game about uh, dinosaur lesbians? Victorian steampunk Ronald McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> Take my money. I throw my money at throwing the, the money at the screen. <laughs> yeah, the GIF with <sighs> the guy from Futurama. Yeah. Yep. I wonder if anyone actually does throw their money at this. Like, takes it too far. They vote, oh, I've read on the internet that people throw their money at the screen. Maybe that's the thing I should be doing. Just yeah. like hard currency. Just They're pelting their screen, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That's either the person who's, like, new to the internet and yeah. is like, oh, this is A what they do. Right. Like or someone's. it's just, like, the inveterate, like, Reddit slash imager right. user who just has now received all... Like all me, that person's life is just memes now. 
Everything yes. like they have all they have no arms because they've bloody pulped them <laughs> hitting the keyboard into the you know the gif for the guy. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, <clears throat> I'm gonna move on. <laughs> um, speaking of Bloodborne, uh, so last week I my main contribution to the Bloodborne discussion, having played other Souls games, but not this one. I don't know if this counts as a Souls game, but a game in that vein. I kind of like mused about whether the what what the kind of intention and motivation behind the extremely muted setting and like really pulled back withdrawn and like also withholding nature of those games is and um like i was i was deluged with responses mm. from people who sent me links to interviews with the director Miyazaki uh, about his background and his intentions with those games, which was really, really cool. I guess there was a, um, an art, a demon souls art book that came out, um, that has interviews with him and sort of just like production stories, I guess that really goes into that. And, and I, I guess the short story is that that stuff was, was quite intentional. The very sort of muted tone and really sparing kind of drip feed of information uh, one of the interesting things I have learned over the last week is that um, when he, when Miyazaki was growing up, he had sort of like a rudimentary understanding of English, but not a, not a fluent understanding of English. And he would read Western fantasy books like Lord of the Rings and, and things like that, and and only be able to understand like bits and pieces of it. So his experience of reading this literature was just like grasping at these mm. huge worlds, and he had to sort of fill in all the blanks in his own imagination in between the bits that he could actually understand. And so like he, in making yeah. these games, like his intention was to recreate that sensation of like, you only get interesting. Yeah. That's, really interesting. Interesting. That's amazing. It's really, really cool. And it's, it's something I, I've read a few of those links too, because yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. A, there's a thread in it mm-hmm. uh, on idle thumbs and folks had said, there was some really great example of like, I'm going to paraphrase this, but an artist came to him with a concept. And I think it was on dark souls one for a dragon mm. that was like undead oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. like had maggots and rotting flesh and he rejected it. And he was like, there needs to be like, dignity to this character like it, it's like a, qu- yeah. a quiet sadness basically that he wanted <laughs> yeah let me see if i can I, yeah, let me see if i can find the the quote about this because i know exactly what you're talking about and it was a really great you know sort of idea like, that this quiet sad dignity was sort of a part of the character designs mm-hmm. i have to say on bloodborne bloodborne feels very much like so if the dark the souls games were a response to sort of western fantasy tropes and maybe potentially bits and pieces of sort of western religion Bloodborne feels like a completely off the wall take on Catholicism. Like huh. everything about wow, this game is like that. dripping okay. in Catholic imagery. There are hmm. crucifixions. There are blood rituals. There are so many. There's so much language that like that is really popular. I've noticed yeah, among Japanese. Like it's fascinating. There's a lot of yeah, Japanese definitely. pop culture that has kind it's of true. a weird like exaggerated pastiche Catholicism. Yeah. To it. And, and it's super weird. I mean, the whole world that's that is taking place in, and like it originally looks like it's maybe a yeah, the you know like goofy, you know, um, almost Tim Burton esque sort of thing. But then it goes into so many churches and yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like mausoleums, and there are priests, and there's all I this guess, stuff about transformation it, and blood making feels, transformations. Yeah, and it just such. feels like something that they you know latch onto as sort of like just another fantasy thing. Sure, uh, just like sure, you know, yeah. like, oh, this is super sick. <laughs> I mean, I like, guess the same Burton maybe he read the Bible <laughs> yeah. in the same like, way. It's like here's the Bible. What if Jesus <laughs> had a corrupted arm? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, 
Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that happens in the reverse that you direction. Fight and yeah. Things, that happens yeah. in the reverse direction too, right? I mean, samurai and ninja oh, sure. and stuff are just oh, yeah. like, used in the most oh, of course, crass ways. ways absolutely. Yeah. Um, let me read this. Let me read this <laughs> this uh, this passage here with uh, Miyazaki and then uh, one of the lead artists from the game named Waragai. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry. Miyazaki says, there's a certain sense of refinement, elegance, and dignity that is very important to me. I'll usually tell the designers that flat out grotesque or splatter type designs will not get past me. This has everything to do with my own personal sensibilities. And it is something that I apply to every design that I approve. And then the artist says, I remember when I was drawing the undead dragon, I submitted a design draft that depicted a dragon swarming with maggots and other gross things. Miyazaki handed it back to me saying, this isn't dignified. Don't rely on the gross factor to portray an undead dragon. Can't you instead try to convey the deep sorrow of, mag- of a magnificent beast doomed to a slow and possibly endless descent into ruin? So, Jesus. yeah. Wow. It's kind Very, of like, beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's kind of nice. Which is, and that's one of the reasons that I've, I, like, obviously, even before I read this stuff, that is the sensation that I took from those prior games. And I have to admit, it is a little bit harder for me to get excited about the more sort of bonkers off the wall version of Bloodborne. Not because I don't imagine that there could be strong artistic coherence and intentionality behind it, but just because that way of presenting a world feels so much more common in video games generally. Like the sort of like push it real far, like it's crazy thing here's the werewolves they're gonna eat your face yeah, yeah. i mean like I mean, what, what how do you, how would you compare bloodborne's version of that to other games that go down a similar road i mean it's certainly much much more refined than okay. say like well, that's cool what was the resident evil uh not resident evil but shinji mikami's game last fall i think you played it nick it yeah. was oh, evil, oh, evil, oh within. Evil, evil within something yeah. compared to something like that which is off the wall and just right. horror trips kind <laughs> uh-huh. of thrown in mm-hmm. Bloodborne has a very, very coherent world. You know, it is werewolves and it is priests and it is, it's Van Helsing, but not that shitty Van Helsing movie from 11 years ago. (laughs) Basically, it is kind of like a lot of what's going on with it. Um, and and there is a refinement to it and there is like a very distinct color palette to everything. Every, Mm -hmm. every area in the world feels like a very, lived in place and i actually really like the environmental storytelling i know that's a really cliched term now but it it is actually really good in Mm -hmm. this game yeah those games are not um i mean it is like certainly dialed up 10 notches beyond like the souls games yeah i mean just because of how kind of goofy Mm -hmm. the the general idea of like werewolves in victorian england is just by its nature Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel false when you're actually playing it. Once you kind of get past the conceit of like, okay, this is sort of goofy. This is just a sure. goofy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it feels very coherent. And the sort of the, the Catholic imagery just sort of started really becoming apparent to me in the last uh, day or two where I'm just like, this is, I'm just fascinated by the idea of, this is a Japanese perspective of of religion also mashed in with these other things. It was mm-hmm. kind of cool. And I also grew up Catholic and like went mm-hmm. to Catholic yeah, school until like well, my whole life until college, basically. So I know a lot of that, a lot of that stuff. Right, right, right. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm really enjoying the game. Although I still think, uh, it's punitive in ways it doesn't need to be just to be challenging. Sure. And I find that really aggravating. Sure. Like there was a really horrible, it was kind of funny, but, um, uh, there have been a couple of really, really painful uh, deaths from falling that we've we've had that were just like, oh man, that was so unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like, you know, lost everything. <clears throat> the moment of true despair. How do you get your stuff back in that situation? It's it's nearby. I actually asked that when it happened. I was like, does that ladder have your blood echoes? <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's like classic nearby. question. Gotta ask. You yeah. know, 
I, I mean, you never know what the answer is going to be, but you got to ask. Does the, ladder, does the ladder have your blood echoes? I mean, we've all said it. We've all Am said I it right, at one time fellas? or another. <laughs> I have a story for you. Yes. They I had this dream. I they went, were nearby. So. I had this dream where I went to Steve Gaynor's office. <laughs> oh my god! And there was a ladder in there, and I was like, <laughs> "Steve, does that ladder have your blood echoes?" And he was like, "Put on this fight cyborg this. suit <laughs> <laughs> and fight Nick Brecken." Fight fight I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> if Nick Brecken wins, he gets to play my video game. If you yeah. win, I'll tell you if this ladder has your blood echoes. <laughs> Everybody Meanwhile. wins. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm fighting dinosaur lesbians, <laughs> yeah. dinosaur lesbians. upstairs in, in the, the office. Yeah. <laughs> it was an mm. excellent time. I have Speak not played Bloodborne. I have not played any of the Souls games. I feel completely inept. <laughs> oh, they seem stressful. They're really stressful. Did know. you play any of those, Nick? I can't remember. I've attempted many times. Right, right, right. Uh, well, I that- did not get past the barrier. Mm, so yeah. you wouldn't consider that being called playing... That's like a bit before playing. Yeah. Try and play. Yeah. Replay. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, I babied my way through an hour of it and just cried and went away. You know what's funny? Is that, so the only, I've only played Demon Souls and, and Dark Souls and like a, a couple hours of Dark Souls 2, but not, not, I wouldn't say enough to like make me qualified to talk very much about it. But certainly with the first two games, I found that I had to, like when I played Demon Souls, I definitely had that experience of like I played it and I bounced off it and I'm like, this just seems really sort of a, obtuse and arcane um and then i and then i tried it again a few weeks later and i'm like and i it clicked and i'm like oh my god this is actually amazing mm-hmm. um and then i kind of had the exact same thing with dark souls again like i <laughs> yeah. loaded it up it was a different type of it because i already knew what the deal was so it wasn't as though i bounced off and said what's this like yeah. <laughs> it's more just that i just didn't re- like i started like oh right i remember this okay mm, uh, and i stopped and then i went back and i'm like oh right now i remember the things i liked about it in the first place so it was more of just re-noticing those things rather than having to penetrate them from scratch but i still sure. found that i had to like bounce off and try again mm-hmm. each time you know and then even dark souls 2 and i think dark souls 2 maybe I just kind of didn't bounce back. Not sure. not because I don't Lima think I could back. have. <laughs> not because I don't think I could have, but I guess because I'd already done it twice. And I was like, this doesn't seem like different enough for me to really need to like do this again. Like I really have a hard time getting myself psyched up for sequels. It's a real just thing yeah. for me. I, I know that some people love sequels and that's fine, but I just can't. It is so, so hard for me to get excited about a direct sequel to something that feels the same, even if there are lots of little nuanced differences. It's mm-hmm. so hard. It's just like a psychological thing that's very difficult for me to get over. And now I don't have a PS4, so now the the blood, like the barrier is even higher <laughs> on this one. So I don't barrier, know. Yeah. Yes. I'll tell you what, I have a PS4 <clears throat> uh-huh. and Bloodborne, but no TV. So we could combo and our lives. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't want to combo. buy person with TV. I mean I have like a, a computer monitor I don't know that might work does it have an HDMI port you know it might be too old <laughs> you're useless to me I have two monitors I have a uh, I have a, a, a an Apple cinema display that's like the ancient kind that was like a sandwich board if oh, any of you guys yeah. ever saw those it's like a big mm. plastic like bubble thing that's of the era of it's like of it's the like iMac era iMac, yeah. yeah like era of the, mm-hmm. it's 1920 by 1200 so it's like and it's an Apple display, so it's a nice sure. display that goes up to 1200, you know, like resolution. So it's still yes. good, but it's it's just old. So it only has the weird whatever 
goofy ass proprietary VGA weird thing, thing or, yeah. Apple was using at the oh, time, okay. which then has a like six inch by six inch by four inch adapter <laughs> that you can turn it into just like a DVI cable or whatever that goes into my Windows PC. S video. Yeah, it's some really cra- cool. it's some oh, crazy God. fucking thing. And then my other monitor is this just like crappy Samsung monitor that I got to with their like years ago as a review unit for a like proprietary 3d glass like (laughs) it was like an nvidia Nvidia, yeah 3d glasses yeah yeah. and they had to include a like 120 hertz monitor so that it could and i never used it once for 3d because i i did not and still do not like care about (laughs) yeah 3D that, stuff. Yeah. Wait, really? so you bought, but you bought it because it had that I didn't that buy it. Technology. They just they just sent it to use it and they never asked for it back. So like I'm just like I'm not gonna pay to ship <laughs> that this you know of. back to you. Um, so now it's just Three my, people it's my lost second, their jobs my this. second monitor. But like that one only has VGA. I just need these old ass yeah. monitors and they're fine. They work totally fine. But it means I can't probably plug your PS4 into it unless you buy a VGA adapter for it. <laughs> then, but then if you do that. Oh, excellent. Man, speaking of games that um that have been like have a difficulty component that I'm wrestling with, I've been playing I've played like four hours maybe of Ori in the Blind Forest, mm. which mm. is really like awesome in a lot of ways. I mean it's one, it's like unbelievably beautiful. Uh it is really gorgeous to look at. It has this amazing sort of pastel soft color palette and like beautiful animation it's very smooth uh it just looks gorgeous it's a 2d platformer that i totally assumed just to look at that it would be a uh something fairly sedate just sort of looks like it would be that's what i assumed yeah but in reality there's a lot of really hardcore platforming in it yeah or there can be anyway yeah. And uh, have you been playing this? No, I, I played it for about mm, 40 minutes. Oh, okay. A, All right. Like so, you know, kiosk. like, that's um, with this kind of game that is totally <laughs> enough to know, like, yeah. what the gameplay vibe of it is. Because, yeah. you know, it's like you get more abilities, but it's always a side scrolling 2D platformer sure. with fast kind of gameplay. And the thing that's weird about it that I am finding odd about it is I'm, I feel like games of this type these days tend to be really stripped down in their mechanics and really prize like um, being sort of pixel perfect and allowing you to really gauge like the exact point at which when you jump, you're going to leave the platform. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so you can, you can do really like extreme kind of hair's breadth moves. And, um, and this game totally like has that in it, but because it's so softly illustrated and because everything has this like swaying thing to it and and because it just there are are parts about it that make it hard to gauge in those respects which in and of itself is totally fine except that i because it also has a skill tree it has a like uh critical path skill tree that's like these are skills you will get by going through the game but then there's also like three secondary skill paths that you can level up with ability points that can be grinded because enemies respawn um, every time you leave the screen. So you can like keep powering up and getting more abilities that you choose. I find myself constantly second guessing, like, fuck, should I have been able to make that jump? Like, I can't yeah. tell yeah. if this is like, I'm being limited by my own skill 
or if I'm being limited, hard limited by the game, or if I'm supposed to come back here later, or if it's just a special area that is like never going to be required. And it's only for people to do a crazy thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, it's hard which, to tell. Yeah. None of this would be that big of a deal, except that I got totally stuck on a thing that I now know was a puzzle in a way that I didn't expect this game to have puzzles. Mm. Like you play the whole thing through like kind of platforming, but then you have to figure out like, Oh, you interact with this thing using one of your tools in a way that was totally not obvious to me. Sure. And James Benson, who's the animator on, who was the animator on the game and actually is also the animator on Firewatch. I'm like, dude, yes. I'm totally stuck. And he's like, Oh, you have to do this. And I'm like, Oh my, I never, <laughs> you, if you didn't tell me that and I didn't look it up, I would ne- never, like never, never, never <laughs> have yeah. guessed to do that. And I don't suspect that that is a universal experience. I imagine that for whatever reason, my brain just didn't go down the like pachinko slot to that. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, I convinced yeah. myself because as soon as I was stuck, I'm like, Oh, I must just be missing something throughout the map. So I, I got enough ability points to buy the ability. That's like reveals locations of pickups on your map. So then I'm like, fuck these pickups all have just like names, like souls thing or like, you know, they all have like very like lore names as opposed to like concrete, clear, like gameplay. What the hell oh, this names. does. Yeah. yeah they're, right. And yeah. so I'm like, do I need, do I need that? Like, maybe I need that. So I just dedicated like an hour to just like scouring the map mm-hmm. and getting every single one of these pickups, including things that I, that I really couldn't do. Like I spent ages grinding ability points so that I could get an ability that says allows Ori to breathe in clean water. And I'm like, Oh, there's like power ups under the water. There's like things that are on the map that are, that are underwater. So I'm like, great. Like I'll get this. I spent forever. Like I found a place that was like totally suited to just running off the screen and coming back. And then the guy respond and you get him and you get the oh, point. Yes. Because I thought that I was just like, I thought that it was my fault sure. that I wasn't able to get these. I'm like, I, I see that I have skills that I can get. Like maybe I'm supposed to have them now. So I, I finally get this thing. And the water still hurts me. <laughs> and and I finally, like, when I asked James about this, he's like, oh, yeah, that's, like, dirty water. And I'm like, how do I know that? Because the game is so impressionistic and sort of, like, soft in its color. If if this were Super Meat Boy or something, it would be so obvious. It'd be, like, red. Yeah, it would yeah. be just, like, this Green water is bad, slime. this water is good. There would be good. spikes in it. I would yeah. not have, like, <laughs> I just assumed when I finally got this ability, I'd be able to dive underwater. But the water still hurts me. But But the water doesn't instantly kill you. It just slowly does damage to you. So I spent like half an hour like d- doing this dive until I was so perfect at doing the dive that I could that I would lose slightly less than half my health to like go get the ability and then come all the way back up to the sur- or to get the power up yeah. and then come all the way back up to the surface like milliseconds before the water finally killed me and i jump out and i'm like is this what i'm supposed to do this is the most hardcore thing i've done in any video game in like years like this is like i was pulling off some crazy shit from the speed running yeah yeah yeah, yeah, totally and i was i was like doing these crazy jumps where i was where so one of the things you can do in the game is you can plant a save point using one of the like different kinds of things you collect um and so i would when i would there'd be parts where I, I would have to like, I would see a jump that I'm like, maybe I'm supposed to get over there. Like, and, but I wouldn't, I would try like six times and I, and I wouldn't, but I would be so close. So I'm like, maybe the game just expects you to be amazing. Like maybe the game actually <laughs> expects you to just like hit the pixel exactly. And so I'd plant a save point right next to the ledge and just like, just try again and again and again and again <laughs> and again and again until I finally got it. And then I get over there and it's just like a little health orb. 
<laughs> God damn it, I didn't remember what that thing... It was labeled, I guess, on my map, but I didn't remember that that's what the thing was, because it just has some, like, name. Maybe it wasn't a health orb, but it was one of the things that was, like, very ambiguously named, you know? Yeah. And, like, none of this is, like, necessarily an indictment of the game itself. It's an it's indictment just of that, life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah, you try so hard, and in the end... Yeah, it's just, really it's just a fucking orb. Oh, By confessing that nice. you're the worst blo- uh, player of that game, I think you might actually have confessed that you're the best player in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you're well, the now the best. Thing, the funny thing is that this was all purely the result of me just not... Of, like when I didn't realize the thing that I was supposed to do, because it's a, it's a very Metroid-like game. There's I was not, going to ask if you'd played a lot of obvious Metroid. What, like, where you should be trying a thing, because it's like one huge interconnected map. So I never knew there was a point at which I was actually stuck where I was supposed to go, because it felt like I was equally stuck with all the places sure. that I couldn't go. So I'm just like, I'm going to fucking start tackling these things <laughs> like in whatever order. Like I find them until I've exhausted all of them, um, and then eventually it seemed like I had exhausted every single place. And I'm like, there is nowhere left for me to go. And the place that was left for me to go is like a thing you do to the map that like changes the path of the map that I never would have known. But because I didn't understand that right then, I just started doubling down on my other instinct about the game. And it turned me into a weird, just like idiot machine. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, I'm going to become you know amazing at these skills, but none of them are the ones that will help weird me. Weird idiot It's machine. your spelunky habits coming mm. to coming Oh my to God. Isn't it? That's true. You're it's, right. You're developing weird, like little micro skills yeah. that have really nothing to do with the whole, well, but, but you're doing but it because spelunky, you're in that habit of But like, in spelunky, those are valid because exactly. in spelunky, there is no designer just making up a puzzle. That, right. You know what I mean? I mean, there is in the secret weird quest to like get the eggplant or like go to hell. Yeah. But like in terms of just navigating that game there's no like in this in the jungle in the like ice level you just have to like figure out this puzzle no it's like every time it's just like figure out with your ingenuity how to get from point a to point b yeah Uh, and so i'm just like fuck maybe i just have to be amazing maybe they made the actually like the hardest game maybe they made the game that's harder than bloodborne this year (laughs) oh my god (laughs) anyway it looks cuddly but yeah all that being said like if you don't end up in a crazy weird just like self-defeating rabbit hole like i did um this game is really fun like i really enjoy the experience of playing it um i just i I feel like i sort of because of the way the art style is like kind of to me slightly at like as as absolutely gorgeous it is because it's felt slightly at odds to me with kind of the core like nature of the game i i worked myself into just like a second guessing thing, and unfortunately, I guessed in the wrong direction. <laughs> the game, the game probably is in fact closer in true identity to what it looks like, which is still a pretty like hardcore platformer, but definitely one that errs a little bit more on the side of being a little more forgiving. And I was just being, just wasn't sure which which way to go. So it definitely looked more like a chill thing. Now I know it's, it's the bloodborne. Chi- of- it's not. It- it's a chill thing, though. That's the yeah. thing. I, like, I did have um, uh, a you know a, a sort of condensed version of that experience. Yeah, but for me, it was like, oh, I'm missing these jumps. All right, I guess I'll just go away from this kiosk now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you so, just quit. Reckon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, for about thirty minutes, I did. I did miss some jumps and thought, oh, well, I sh- clearly I'm I'm just missing these jumps. I'm gonna get a running start and uh, yeah, yeah, hit them yeah, just yeah. the right. To, oh no, oh, I need a skill for this. Right? How do I get that skill? I have to farm. Okay, now I'm gonna go do this whole thing, and then I di- like I ended up dying a lot in just very surprising ways. Just you know, like spikes and just things that I didn't. Yes, that's the, another thing. It didn't. It didn't feel like something that. And, 
I'm trying to I'm trying to recall exactly because there's a there's one moment where I just like I must have died like five or six times in a row trying to solve the same sort of spike thing, and then I got just beyond that and died to something else, oh, and it was just a sort of right. like mm-hmm. oh god, I'm getting I'm getting two yards further experience. every right. single yeah, time yeah. because um, there there are things like the the sort of spiked brambles yeah. that do damage to you. They they kind of animate slowly back and forth, and they creep over onto the non brambled area a little bit. Mm. So it's like kind of it's it's not super obvious like where the exact point that you can yeah. that is safe is to yep. me you know and like especially if like me you're sort of very slightly colorblind things like that are actually just even more difficult because the like the 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 contrast maybe comes more in sort of the color than just the shape and then that is just like that like five percent tougher for me to really just instantly parse sure so it's just like that stuff that vagueness i think compounded my my the difficulty i had but like all this being said, I, I can't, I can't say that I'm not having a ton of fun playing it and that it isn't gorgeous to look at. Like both those things are true. And I, I really recommend this game. If you like a thing that is of that sort of Metroid Castlevania style and you like a good 2d platformer, like it's totally awesome in all those respects. So anyway, Ori in the blind forest, it's cool. And like <laughs> played tricks on my brain. Yeah. Cool. I have it and I can't wait to play it. Yeah. I need something with, you know, more of a color palette than Bloodborne. <laughs> right, sure. Well, this is this is that. It is like amazingly beautiful. I have played something with a different color palette, I suppose, than Bloodborne. What is that? A game called Spirits of the Xanadu. Mm. Yeah, that I don't sounds know this game. Pretty exciting. What is it about? So this is a small indie game. It came out this week or last week, I think. It's a first-person exploration game. Set in an alternate 1980s future on a spaceship. So the spaceship is lost somewhere. You're the marshal or whatever. What kind of game it is? is it's it? a first-person game. Okay. A sort of first-person exploration. Uh-huh. There is some shooting and there are guns so in it. It's a first-person shooter. It's a first-person shooter, but it's not really a first-person shooter, if it makes sense. But you're wearing, like, leggings. And yeah. <laughs> and you've and there are, like, magazines that make, like, Harrison Ford jokes and, like, talk about... <laughs> and have, like, 80s colors and print and so on and so forth. It's actually a little bit like a budget alien isolation without hmm. the alien in it. Like, the actual fun parts of, like, looking at the environment and looking right, at the sure. propaganda yeah, and yeah. the art and things like that mm-hmm. are all in there. <laughs> there isn't an alien chasing you. There are robots and things that can kill you and are chasing you around, but they're not anywhere near as difficult or advanced as the alien AI. But this is sort of like a... I like to think of it as like a, a light, budgety kind of version <laughs> of that. And it's really sure. fun to kind of creep around this spaceship and look at what went wrong and, you know, get the little voice logs and read the little notes from the people and, and stuff like that. I'm enjoying it as like a absolutely the opposite of Bloodborne. Like, kind of colorful, yeah, yeah. kind of chill, cool, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. So I mean, maybe okay. that's where your dreams came from then. So maybe it's a combination it is. <laughs> of Bloodborne and the 80s oh my God. Spaceship Xanadu, yeah. Harrison right. Ford jokes. Somehow the dinosaur's gun in there too, but you know. Well, he, Harrison Ford is maybe Maybe he, he is a dinosaur. Is the Harrison Ford connection? Well, I'm looking at this now. It looks... um. It's very pretty. Yeah, this is, well, you know what's interesting about this to me is that it, the the sort of level of graphical detail is a thing that I've always thought could be used to better affect oh, images Deus now. Ex one, yeah, uh, it's like hypothesis. the Deus Ex yeah. one kind of era of very of simple three D stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's like totally enough to have like distinctive lighting and shapes and yes. spaces, but you know, able to be created by a small number of people. I think only two people made this game. Um, And 
it it shows in a good way, I think. It feels like a personal, not personal, as if, like, this is somebody's story. I don't think in the alternate <laughs> 1980s year they were on a spaceship. Yeah. Um, but, like, it feels like something that, like, you know, a really tiny little team made, mm-hmm. and they loved it, and they kind mm-hmm. of put love into it. So cool. it's a really nice little palate cleansery kind of game, I think. Nice. So it's called uh, Spirits of Xanadu. It looks like it's on Steam. Yeah, it's on Steam right now. It's on sale on Steam right now, I think, possibly. Cool. Looks like um, it was a green light game. I guess a lot of things are green light yeah, games Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys want to take a break? Sure. Sure. Just take a break. Video game. This episode is brought to you by MeUndies. Ooh. Yeah, a provider of high quality underwear and uh, other things to put on your body. Yes. <laughs> if, if you go to MeUndies.com slash thumbs, you can get uh, 20% off your first order and free shipping. Excellent. They have yeah. undershirts, underwear of any description, boxers, briefs, everything in between. It's mm-hmm. very it's What very is exciting. between boxers and briefs? Probably boxer briefs. Boxers. <laughs> Good point. Why did I ask that question? Many cuts. A cut for every occasion. True. Uh, yeah, these are great. I was actually at uh, Disneyland recently, and I can attest that it is important to have high-quality underwear. Yes. In that... <laughs> That scenario, yes, it's so exciting. That no, you're just you're walking around like outside in relatively hot, yes, hot weather for like a long period of time, and you're going on rides where like water splashes on you, and like just this, you're really just like putting your garments through their paces. It's true. So you want you want good ones. All that and Meandies is actually yeah. Rides up and down. All that sugar. MeUndies is really high-quality underwear. I can personally attest to that. Um, MeUndies.com slash thumbs, 20% off your first order. They have wacky designs. What flavor design did did you take to Disneyland? Did you take Disney? I I actually am boring. I do just like basic colors. Gray. I mean like (laughs) Like colors, but like solid solid colors. Yeah, solid. So yeah, thanks, MeUndies. Thank you, MeUndies. MeUndies.com slash thumbs. Video this episode is also brought to you by Ex Machina. Ooh. Yes, the, the new film that is the first, uh, is the directorial debut of Alex Garland, who was the writer of 28 Days Later and Sunshine, um, both yes. of which were, were, I thought, cool. Yeah. Um, this is his first movie that he has directed in addition to writing, and also the first time we've ever been sponsored by a movie. I yeah. think it's pretty cool. So this is a movie about uh, an AI robotic woman and this this young man who encounters her and, and there's intrigue and so on and so forth. Yeah. Kind she of sort movie. of called to mind the Talos principle for a moment. Yeah. It kind of oh, actually does yeah. like yeah. share visual similarities, I would say, and thematic ones too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So this looks, I think cool. Also Oscar, Oscar Isaac is in it. I had never heard of him. I think until, uh, inside Lewin Davis, and Dude. now he's just like in the most broad ranging yeah, set of roles. It's really <laughs> fascinating. He's in this and he, and he looks totally different in all of them. Like in, yeah, honestly, that's the thing. Yeah. Also, I went back and realized I'd seen movies with him in it before Lewin Davis and did not have any idea. That <laughs> did that you was see Oscar a most Isaac. violent year? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. And he was in that as well. That's actually weirdly from the same studio making Ex Machina. Which oh, is really? Of, yeah, really odd odd coincidence. I don't know if that is hmm. why he's in That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, but I, I saw that in theaters a few weeks ago and loved it. Um, 
And Oscar Isaac is in that and looks totally different than how he does in Lewin <laughs> Davis, which looks totally different than how he looks in Ex Machina, which looks totally different than how he looks in, I guess, the new Star Wars movie. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, totally. uh, <laughs> in everything. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's the kind of, it's kind of like that movie, Her, which was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. High, a bit, yeah. That, but then a little bit of Pet Man. Whatever Boston Dynamics little, is up to, somewhere yes. plugged in into yeah, yeah. an AI. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie is. Yes. All right. So that <laughs> sounds like a mix I I could get down with. So that is uh, Ex Machina, uh, directed by Alex Garland. Uh, it comes out in New York and LA April 10th, and then will increasingly open wider after that. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks, Ex Machina. Thanks. Thanks, Cheers. robots. <laughs> Video game. Thanks, robot Thanks, future. Dog. Remember that we did this for you when the when the revolution comes. <laughs> yeah. Remember that we we plugged yeah. in. We robots. made you a star, robots. <laughs> Thank Help you. Help the little people. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is just fucking. We appreciated it. Human. It was our big break. <laughs> <laughs> Says Nick, who dreams of, of killing cyborgs. That's right. <laughs> You're out. You, That's you. right. <laughs> we heard that. <laughs> You're the first to go. <laughs> Unless you beat us in hand to hand combat. My cyborg blood sport. Is your cyborg blood sport down that ladder? <laughs> 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 oh my god, we have to we have to continue. We have to move on. Yeah. <laughs> drive was the other one that I that I just oh, drive? Yeah. He played standard the um dad of the uh family that he gets involved with that Ryan Gosling gets involved with. I still don't um, remember him being in it. Yeah, I believe I totally that's, that's the thing. I, yeah. I had no idea. That was yeah. the real one where I went, Oh my god. Yeah. I watched an entire movie with that guy and had yeah. no idea that was surprising. Yeah. Huh. He's taking over the world. He's actually a cyborg. That's what it is. Yeah. It starts like this. Yeah. yeah. It probably is the twist. It's a robot making other robots yeah. in the woods. That's why he's in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally. Acceptable. Good spoilers. I'm going to actually go see the movies. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah I, I actually myself. am interested in it. If you did spoil yourself, then your me undies will. <laughs> We'll take care of that for you. <laughs> oh wow, interesting. What? Okay, you don't want to be spoiled. Video games. You know what? Are we back? Do you guys want to be back? We're back. Let's be back. <laughs> um, Nick, you have not been here for the past two weeks oh, when man. we talked about Cities Skylines. Yeah. Have you? How much have you been playing this game? I have all? been playing it quite a bit. Oh yeah. What do you? Th- what is the Nick Brecken verdict on this? <sighs> of course, <laughs> of course, that's the Nick Brecken verdict on things. Um. So, I, I, yeah, it's interesting. I um, I went through like an up down up down uh, experience with cities. Okay. I, I uh, expected to love it. Mm-hmm. Had a tough time playing it early on, um, and then got into it and was pleased as punch that right. it was <laughs> that it was doing the things that it was doing. Uh, and I won't rehash all the basics for people because I'm sure you guys have covered them. Um, the thing that I my, my experience with this game is. Uh, you know, a huge chunk of like six hours of just delight, and then okay, I'm my city just kind of on its own is now generating a billion dollars a day. <laughs> um, right. I've kind of built all the buildings that are available, 
Mm. And I guess I'm sort of done with this because right. I, the challenge, like, it's an interesting thing because I don't, I know there are probably a lot of people that play games like this as a sandbox, or at least that that is the thing that they get the enjoyment from. Right. It's just the, that's the me. paintbrush effect yeah. of just, I want to just kind of, you know, sculpt the city in the way in like my own image and, and just kind of make several different types Which of Which you can do and, in this game with a height map of a photograph of your face. Mm. Right. Or, or yes. Snoop Dogg. Yes. You, can you, can, you yes. could actually yes. Snoop Dogg. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Brecken World, if you wanted right. to. In fact, but, please, someone make Brecken World. <laughs> well, yes. So, yes. Nel, so it was our, our buddy Nels who does um, the Terminal 7 podcast on the Idle Thumbs Network. It's, a, it's our uh, podcast about Netrunner. That's hosted by our buddy Nels Anderson. And for his, he like linked to this imager gallery of a friend of his that made Nelzer Town yes. in City Skylines, <laughs> yes. like as a birthday present based on like a, you know, 3D height map of Nels's face and they built a whole town right. on top of it and like, you know, got the colors right. Put and, the like yeah. coal factory where the brain would be. Oh, and, like, perfect. Shit. Where yeah. the brain would be. I hope they used, <laughs> yes. I hope they used his amazing Twitter avatar as their, as oh, their I can't, photo. Oh, man. I can't yeah. remember. I don't know. <sighs> Because I can't remember what a Twitter avatar looks like, but uh, it's it's classic. but yes, you can definitely make a city literally in your own image. Yeah, I, it's not what you meant. Yeah, Go ahead, Nick. no, I mean, it's, that's kind of what I meant. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean it. Um, yeah, it for me. Uh, you know, I played all of the Sim Cities for hundreds and hundreds of hours, and um, it's weird. Like, so I, the one thing I did do is I went and and loaded up um, the most recent Sim City. Uh, just to oh, just to do game. a direct yeah. comparison, just out of mm-hmm. just weird curiosity, because I, my memory of that game was not great. Yeah. Um, and I kind of found that um, the things that I dislike about SimCity, cities directly addressed. The things that I dislike about cities, uh, SimCity, I think, does better. Okay. And now I had this impression of just like, God, I wish somebody would just, I hope the next cities kind of addresses the things that people, well, so I presume I like, are right. also pointing so out. I, I, so the former category, we, we've probably a lot of things we've talked about, but what are some of the things in the latter category for you? Um, Not that I'm saying I can't imagine anything, but I'm curious. Uh, well, so for me, and this is totally subjective, but art direction, um, I don't. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And, and honestly, I don't know. I get a lot of enjoyment out of that particular aspect of SimCity. Just seeing, you know, like, um, I I mean, SimCity in general, not just the most recent SimCity, which I think was relatively gorgeous, but, uh, even SimCity 4 to me, I think is. Opinion, yeah. Yeah. To me, SimCity 4 is still the most perfect version of this type of game. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I don't know. It's weird because the most recent SimCity, I do not think... It's really obnoxious they didn't name it SimCity 5 because I have to say the most recent SimCity. If I just say SimCity, it means nothing. But um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, the last SimCity... I guess uh, it happens when there's another (laughs) one. The last of Maxis's SimCities. Um, Yeah, no, it's a bummer. It really sucks. Uh, But no, I think that um, uh, it's weird because that game, the the sort of like gameplay uh, treadmill, um, in SimCity 4, I feel that was the most perfect version of that. Like, there... It, it's weird when you play that game and go back and it's on steam. And so you can very easily now. And, and it really does the most excellent job of, okay, I've sort of got my city under control. Oh no, one thing is wrong. Now I have to fix that. Oh no, that caused this problem over here. <laughs> now I have to do this. And like, 
it does it in such a perfect way. It's hard to describe exactly what it's doing. Like, but it does it. It also does simulate, like, 4 does simulate um, citizens uh, without actually showing them on the map. It does mm-hmm. It does do the thing where, it, you know, I mean, you have a subway and it's taking 400 people from over here to over here. Like, it's it's doing all of that stuff. It's just not as, you know, graphically robust as recent games. The treadmill in SimCity, I think, is better than the one in, in Skylines, but it's it's also just not a great version of it because, God, I'm going from cities, which is basically... After an hour, you have all the money you'll ever need, and your city is totally fine, and there are no problems whatsoever. Going back to SimCity, it was like, holy God, it takes an, like a half an hour of just sitting there waiting for the checks to roll in before I can build a fire station. Uh, you spend so much time just waiting for just like the most minimal amount of dollars. You can, so for what it's worth, and I don't know if this necessarily addresses your complaints, but I feel like after you've kind of gone through it once, you can get around that when – like. When you're anticipate, like if you go and you look how many citizens you need for the the fire station to be built, like mm-hmm. at least the, on, when your first big run of everything, you can kind of because you get a big cash infusion. Oh, I was talking about some popula- city, not, oh, not skylines. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> my experience with skylines is that basically you can you know build up to how much money you have, and it just sort of compounds where like. You start out with a certain number of dollars. You're going to build residential, industrial, commercial. Uh, then you're going to be at a certain clip uh, after that, which will then let you build probably twice as much the next sort of uh, spurt of growth, which will then allow you to build about four mm-hmm. times. You know, and it's just it's just very easy. It's just it's it's a baby game, Chris. I don't know. <laughs> I honestly felt like it was just way too simple. Yeah. Uh, in the end game, and I don't know, like. So also, I did have some just really basic design problems with it, like the fact that you can't draw a road all the way through a bunch of roads. Ugh, like yeah, that is pretty. There annoying. are just little things like that that it's really it's really interesting to go back and play the other SimCity, which again is super flawed in and of itself. But um, it's like, why didn't they just do the thing that? They, I mean, I'm sure there are you know reasons, but um, yeah, to, for me it was like, ugh, comparing these two things. Neither of them are really exactly what I want, and I'm right. being a really like weird PC game guy by I guess just like, wanting the perfect <laughs> so, version of like the thing so in my head. Yeah. But like, so this isn't going to this isn't going to like make you like the game more. But <laughs> but my if I were to answer, I like the game to be clear. No, I know. I just mean yeah. you know what I mean. Like yeah. if I were to answer your criticisms, I would say that the kind of game that City Skylines is is more rewarding to like micromanagement than SimCity. It's just more about micromanagement than SimCity is to me. Like I, it would be nice, for example, if it had the like drag a road across a bunch of roads and it creates all the intersections for you. and doesn't make you draw five line segments to get the thing out. Like Mm -hmm. that would be nice, but it also like the fact that it doesn't do that sort of reinforces this, like because traffic is so highly simulated, it the game is like really, it really focuses on like, with the one-way streets and, like, the highly simulated nature of traffic, like, it really rewards this, like, really close attention to detail, really careful planning. Like, there's a whole community. Um, we've, this is part of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks on the show. <laughs> there's definitely a really strong contingent of, like, extreme traffic management people who have, like, yeah, come out of the woodwork <laughs> to, like, apply their knowledge of real world, like... Uh, yeah, like, actual traffic, traffic flow, engineers yeah, who have, like, posted their... To, yeah. to like, this game, which... T- feels like it supports that stuff to a much more 
detailed granular degree than than a SimCity game typically does. Um, and this game is just kind of more about that kind of thing. I'm getting my like SimCity uh, four itch. Because I just that, that game simulated. I mean, again, like you don't see the individual cars being simulated in the way that um, the modern games are doing, but it still uh, was simulating traffic patterns pretty accurately, at least in terms of. And to be fair, you can't do the minute like I'm dragging an on ramp onto this thing. You know, it was still sort of like the chunky like I'm gonna build this. But this. but that's the exact kind of thing that people really get into with this game. That yeah. exact stuff I mean, is like it's the is like the do you want a like dilemma. T junction versus a J junction? Like all these crazy right. terms I'd never even heard of that are like <laughs> there are different theories about like which of these is the most efficient way to like integrate five different interstates and like you can download you can go to the mod store like the like Steam Workshop and download well, these the like crazy I... prefabs and like I'm not saying this is not like a thing that is just automatically likable about the game right like it's just this is I'm just saying this is I think what I this don't... game is kind of about. And it's just a. I think it's a slightly different thing than what SimCity games are generally about. I get, yeah, it's more of a transportation kind of a thing, yeah. which feels very European, like a European take. It's on also SimCity. the legacy of the developers. Like their previous yeah. two games were all about transit. Yeah, and um, sewage. But, that, but that's, see, that's the funny. And what? And sewage. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to beat it to death. I, no, no, no. But, okay. but I mean, I feel like even with that, though, like um, just uh, I. Don't, I I guess I guess the the way I feel about it is I feel like I need to just load up the mod store or the sure. mod the mod the workshop mm-hmm. because yeah. I feel like that's kind of what you have to do at a right. certain point. To me, like if it was about transportation, I feel like there are things about it that I just really found not great. Like the subway system, I did not like the design of that is kind of a mess to me. Like I don't I don't know if you tried to I, build I, one. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've built yeah. really like extremely high amounts of transit. Uh, I think that the actual systems themselves are great. I think the UI could be better. Yeah. And people have like done things like released alternate transit UIs, for example. Yeah. Um, some of which the developer has like incorporated into recent patches, but some of which are still more extensive in mods. Um, so I suspect this will be a game that, um, unlike the recent Maxis SimCity, just due to how that, due to that game's like total unfriendliness towards mods, I suspect this game will be a really interesting landscape like a year from now. Yeah. I mean, I already like it a lot, but I think it's going to it'll it will have a more like Civ 4-esque mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. long life just due to what they're choosing to to support. Yep. Um like that was the thing that was really cool about Civ 4 is that game really lived for a long time. Oh, yeah. Um and this game I feel like could also if they do well by it. In another recent thumbs trend of people talking about people who only play one game or like mm. their dad only played one game. Right. I could see this being absolutely that for, oh, yeah. for people. Jake's like, dad. Jake's, Jake, da- <laughs> Jake's dad is like, I don't know, Nick, I don't know if you know this. Jake's dad, because Jake mentioned it on the podcast recently. Um, Jake's dad is like an acoustical testing engineer guy who like one of the things that is important in his job is things like noise pollution and creating sound barriers and roads mm. and all these things that city skylines has like, Noise pollution is a huge driver of citizen happiness or unhappiness in this game. And so there are all different ways that you can address that problem. And so the exact thing Jake's dad does in his job. Crazy. So I'd be very happy if this becomes, if Jake's dad finally, like, this is what brings him into video games. Video game, probably, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) Do you think constructing the the little tree barriers on his roads? Do you think he has the scope to do the opposite? Do you think people who get super into this game will just be like, ugh? 
I'm going to become a traffic engineer in the <laughs> world. I'm going to give up my... I'm sure there's some 13-year-old. So. Yeah, like- I think that would actually be really cool. And I think that be- the mod thing is what would make that possible. In the same way that, like, Minecraft is probably not going to, like, inspire specific jobs in people intrinsically. But I think the thing that makes it such a, like, phenomenon among kids is that there's so much creativity that it allows for and that there's this whole community of like it feels like a lot like a living community not just because of people making videos about it and posting on forums about it but because the game itself like invites that and with the the way that the that this game supports mods so heavily and integrates it directly into the front end through steam workshop it feels like the kind of thing that maybe not kids as young as the sort of armies of kids playing minecraft but maybe like junior high yeah maybe junior high age kids could like i this is totally the kind of game i because i played the original sim city on like a apple II or whatever and loved it um and you know civilization for that matter and like a bunch of other maxis games i could totally imagine kids of a certain age and demeanor getting really into this and getting just like learning weirdly a bunch of stuff about <laughs> like city like city traffic planning engineering theory. yeah um uh and and like because of the how much of it's reflected back through mods like there are probably going to be really cool communities that sprout up that it's going to skew older than, than a lot of games, but I think could totally have some kind of effect if, if, if on a smaller scale than something like Minecraft. And I think that would be cool. I mean, I'm a big fan of games that represent real world systems yes. in a way that tries to do them justice. You know, like it's impossible to ever fully tackle that stuff in a completely realistic, robust way in a video game and probably wouldn't be fun to do it like to a complete level of fidelity. But when a game makes like an honest effort and really makes you feel like you're actually engaging with systems that exist in society, I think that's like a very admirable goal, you know, in game development. I think there's a lot of cool, weird stuff in there that people are doing that, you know, maybe we should try in real life. Like, uh, Marek sent me our friend, a good friend, Marek mm-hmm. sent me Bronstring, a, Marek Bronstring. a picture of, uh, someone who'd made a bunch of hydro dams plugged into the sewer system. And it was just like all the shit coming out of the city, <laughs> powering the city as well. That's, that's oh, amazing. That's amazing. Oh no, that's, that's, a, that's a common thing that people have, they've, they've, they've like, that's, oh, yeah, that's, that's just a, like that's the, a the hat. That's oh, yeah. like, that's yeah, a, yeah, this is the best way of powering yeah. a city. Yeah. You're powered by just, shit. Yeah. Shit yeah. Power. yeah. <laughs> just the same so water. Yes. <laughs> so it's great and clean it while it goes out then you have a perfect system yeah done this is what america should strive for or maybe it already has <sighs> we're already powered time. by wow. shit <laughs> laundering our own shit and then a feeding our shit <laughs> america it would explain a lot yeah welcome to america <laughs> oh excellent do we have reader mail perhaps we totally do we we have a lot of reader mail, oh excellent so- Nick has to leave. Nick is for some reason not acknowledging that he has to leave. He's just making me weird <laughs> hand gestures. Out. Nick is He's not even going to say goodbye to oh, you. No. The <laughs> He's, He's just going to knock things say over. Say goodbye, asshole. What <laughs> <laughs> a weird person he is. <laughs> Bye, Nick. Bye. See you next week, I hope. Nick hates reader mail and the readers. <laughs> and the readers. That's why. I'm not listening to any of this drivel. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm not even saying these, goodbye. These readers are like the shit that flows up against my dam. <laughs> they might power me, but... But they stink like shit. <laughs> the unwashed masses indeed. 
Uh, okay, let's see here. So we got a lot of email about the Souls games. Oh, cool. Yeah, and um, I'll read this one because this was a little outside of the scope of what I talked about. Sure. A lot of them were about Miyazaki and his experience, and those were great. So thank you to everyone who sent those emails. I'm sorry that I, I, I can't read them all because um, that's why I kind of talked about it earlier because there was – I just sort of – there were a lot of folks who wrote some it. information yeah. and then talked about that yeah. generally. But yeah, Jonathan Ness writes, dear Chris, man, it's so weird to have someone address it directly to me. Oh. Uh, Demon Souls and Dark Souls are two of my favorite video games. So when I heard you discussing them on your last podcast, I'm wondering about their aesthetic and narrative direction. I thought I'd share a little background from software started making first person action RPGs on the PlayStation back in 1994. They were the King's field series and they were extremely difficult and unforgiving. The main series had four games in total and two spiritual successors, Shadow Tower and Shadow Tower Abyss. Much like Demon's Souls and Dark Souls, you are a lone protagonist, garnered with the task of writing some evil or discovering some truth about the world you find yourself in. You do this through exploration of a bleak, hostile world where you do not participate in the normal tropes of the fantasy RPG genre. The settings in the games dark and muted, and the world becomes more dangerous with every step. NPCs are few and far between, if they're at all, and rarely serve to drive the plot and gameplay. The backstory in the first few games was clear, but as the series progressed, both the player's background and the world's history changed, from something you learn in cutscenes to something you absorbed as you crept through a land devoid of laughter and safety. The themes of isolation and desolation are Kingsfield's signature. <clears throat> the aesthetics of the Souls series are taken from many sources, including the ultra-famous in Japan manga series Berserk and the classic horror fantasy of Lovecraft and Bram Stoker. Berserk is an old-running manga and anime that has been cited as inspiration for almost a generation of Japanese writers, artists, and game designers. Thanks, John. So that's an interesting background because that goes back further than Miyazaki's own involvement with the company, yeah. which I think he's been there for like 10 or 15 years now, uh, like 10, 13 years. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the exact number, but he's been there for a bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's interesting is that I was reading an interview with him on Eurogamer and he got that job when he was like 29 or 30. So a nice. lot older than like a typical, like that was his first game industry job. Um, which still you know, is a lot older than people who generally kind of like come straight out of college and go into, yeah. into video games. And he had sort of drifted around and was sort of described himself as someone who with relatively little ambition. Um, and so kind of ended up at this company and like, was just kind of there. Like he was sort of a junior coder and just kind of like did his time and didn't really like, like try very hard. It sounds like, and fascinating, then, yeah. yeah. And then demon souls was actually already in production when he joined the project but was like a total disaster. Like it was just not going well at all. And he's like, man, I can just join this and like take this project over. And if I fuck it up, like it doesn't matter. Cause I'm already like not important at this company. <laughs> so like, wow, I'll just do that. And he apparently just completely changed like all aspects of the game and like really put his stamp on it really heavily. And that was the thing that sort of like made him, a noteworthy figure at that company. And now he's the president of the company. Yeah, that's amazing. So he went from just like jackass, like, like, goober, to being like president of the company and guy who's like basically responsible for this like phenomenon series. It has a massive relative, series. Yeah. Relative to like, they're not, you know, they're not a company that traditionally does like mega hits. So it's not a big hit compared to a lot of games, but, they've sold hundreds of thousands of units like each, I think. And, um, for that company have been like very successful. So that was, I thought that was a really interesting, weird. That is really fascinating. <laughs> yeah. It's also funny that like, if he has the, the sort of like, at least early on in his career, the, the slacker ment mentality, and then goes on to make like the hardest, most difficult, most punishing games. It's almost <laughs> like, no, <laughs> true. I'm done with the slacker time. Like I'm punishing that now. Yeah. Almost. Oh, like, yeah. 
I could have done with this when I was young. Yes. <laughs> I could have used this discipline. Yeah. I wonder what he was doing before that. He was say. he worked for like Oracle just as an IT guy or something. Okay. Yeah. Just like database company or whatever well, Oracle that explains does. Like just really like, hardcore evil <laughs> database programming. Yeah, <laughs> these games are actually based on that experience. Yeah. It's not, you know, fantasy and Catholicism. It's like yeah, actually right. this is this is how he imagined <laughs> IT actually was. He had a I can't remember. I think he had a couple different jobs and they were just like whatever. They were just not you know, what I mean they were yeah, jobs yeah. I'm sure that they're like legitimate careers but it sounds like he wasn't in them for that reason he was just kind of there because he was he was just um, and that was I guess just a he, job yeah. when he joined it sounds like when he joined uh from software it was like an 80 percent pay cut from what he was doing it was like, oh god <laughs> yeah because he was super junior anyway uh i thought that was an interesting super back fascinating super um, so junior maxwell mix. maxwell young right this is an appropriate question spaff is here maxwell young writes dear thumbs could you please explain the logo for idle thumbs for it has me stumped maxwell young <laughs> I like the foreign, for it has me stumped. Has me I stumped. love it. That's not foreign to me. That's just how we'd speak. In True. Old in old, the in old, old England. England. The old, old England. old England. <laughs> <laughs> the Idle Thumbs logo. There was an older logo. Do you remember that? Did you I see? do. It wasn't it was, really a logo. It was conceptually similar. It was oh, like, you mean the even older one? It was like a render of a... That was like gross. That was never the actual off. logo. That no, was like this was a render. Okay, so off. yeah, on a chopping block, like a butcher's cleaver. I hated cleaver. that thing so much. So okay, Why is that around? Because we used to be terrible. So when <laughs> when we were like starting Idle Thumbs, and when like it before it was actually launched, um, and we were coming up with a name, and like whoever came up with it, Spaff or Alex or whoever, um, the concept of the logo has like always involved a thumb. Obviously, like, naturally, I guess naturally, right? yeah. And the guy who created it is uh, named Stevan Zvenedovic, who is a is he Serbian? I hope it's, I'm not insulting his his, his like, ancestry, yeah. ancestry. <laughs> yeah. but he lives yeah. in Galveston, Texas now, or somewhere in Texas, and or, and has for for years. Um, but he uh, did the the uh, I guess all versions of the thumbs logo, right? He certainly he, he did, did the, he did the main one and the the current one that we now use like that replaced the classic one, which was also a thumb bashing a typewriter. Uh, and the reason it is that <laughs> is because Idle Thumbs started as an editorial site um, with like quote news and uh, just like bullshit essays and opinion pieces and stuff. And it was back in the day when we had to use those typewriters to, uh, to write <laughs> that's, everything. That's true. Everything that's was written on typewriters. Was. And and like faxed to the the internet. <laughs> yes, we had to fax in our stories to the Fac-simile internet and then it on yes. our website for us uh, with typewriters. Good times and mimeograph machines. It's true, it is, but it's really weird to like try and do the. I know if you hands, try like, and like recreate the weird like hands gripping each other and the thumbs, it's weird. I think at that point, though, it was like so many names that were terrible and so many logos as well yeah. that were just, ugh, how do we what is this yeah and that one was like oh cool that looks great mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it yep. is yeah, whatever it is. Like, a it'll do yes. so the thing spaff was alluding to was a did did stefan do that one as well i think so i, I think he did yeah yeah I, no, i'm pretty sure he did there was a 3d rendered image of was it two hands each with the thumbs chopped off. Just one. Just one hand yeah. with like a cleaver. Oh, yeah. Like oh, God. that had cut off the thumb and it was bleeding. It was so it's gross. very bloodborne. It yeah. was like <laughs> it was really I hated looking at it. It was upsetting to me. Because it was in that weird style where it was like stylized and cartoonish, but still gory, kind of like Team Fortress 2. It, oh, if yeah. you imagine like 
it's like, um, okay, so it is to Team Fortress 2 what Ren and Stimpy is to Looney Tunes. <laughs> I, you know what okay. I mean? Yeah. Or okay. just like, it's still cartoonish and like, deformed well, like, I but it's just like a little bit more little detailed too, than yeah. you want or not the it works well, like the cut of thumb but. was like uh like the meat in monster hunter or something you know what i mean like hilariously yeah, like, like a bone kind of, coming out of yeah, it yeah, yeah. But, but it was gross. still like gross and a blood and it was <laughs> gross and pools of blood as i recall anyway we gotta stop talking <laughs> about this, this is disgusting. <laughs> so the reason that the adult thumbs logo is what it is is because it took us forever to come up with a name and then when we did it had thumbs in it, and, and it was about writing. Stevan designed a thing that looked cool, and it was about writing, and that's that's it. Um, David Petroco writes, "Hi, thumbs. In episode two hundred two, you mentioned experiences with the DMV. I thought I'd throw in how the DMV <laughs> has changed here in Las Vegas. DMV overcrowding has been an issue for a while, and in an effort to fix this, without building more DMVs, they added in a new text feature. You text a number which DMV location you want to go, and it puts you in a queue. You then get told your position on the queue in an approximate time, usually in a few hours." When you get within 30 minutes of your time, it tells you to come on over. If you need more time, you can text how many minutes you need, and it will stall you in the queue. When you get to the DMV, there are two entrances and security guard. If you're doing a walk-in, you go in one line, get a ticket, and are told to go back outside because it's usually full. For people with the text feature, you show a guard the text, and they let you in. When it's your turn, you get another text saying what desk to go to and take care of your issues. Due to the DMV catering catering, ugh, catering to these people more than the walk-ins, the wait time if you don't use it is massive, five or more hours from what I've heard. But it's And it's text only. There's no web form or anything. So if you don't have the ability to text, you're stuck out of luck. It leads to a weird split where most of the people are in a good mood because of how seamless the process is. And anyone waiting around is really, really mad. Enjoy your DMV Zen while it lasts, David Petroco. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. like future. a really... But kind of not the future. Yeah, like see, texting <laughs> only. Like not yeah. even iMessages or anything. It's it's very like... That feels like a... That feels like a... Like, Neil Blomkamp movie or something like, <laughs> you know, like, like <laughs> a really obvious, like on the nose way of saying the haves and the have nots because of technology. This is Elysium, the reality, like mm. right here in Las Vegas, basically. Or just anywhere in San Francisco. Yeah, for sure. All. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, we here, do live in a dystopia. Um, Danielle, I don't remember when you were at Disneyland or Disney World, like within recent memory, right? Yes. Yeah. Did you use their weird? I, I've never been to Disney World, oh so I don't know God. anything about it. But did you use their like wrist? New thing? Magic Plus. Yes, yeah. uh, I did. My mother has a lot of opinions about this. Most okay. of them are very negative, even okay. though she loves Disney. Spent so- a billion dollars on this, and it's bullshit. That's, that's <laughs> my mother's opinion of this. So what it is is basically your ticket media, your room key. Often, if you stay in a Disney hotel, mm-hmm. and your fast passes which are exactly like this works. You're basically making a reservation to go into a shorter line for a ride. That's how fast passes work. They used to be little pieces of paper, and the way it used to work was you would go to a ride, you would be in the park, you would go to a ride, you would put your ticket in, and you would get your fast pass out, a little piece of paper. Um, and that's just how that worked for 15 years or something. But prior to this, there was nothing. It was just there might right. be a wait, you know, you, who knows. Then there were fast passes. I mean, you know, there will be one. Yes, <laughs> always in Disney World. Now everything has to be done ahead of time, including like weeks, maybe even months ahead of time. You'll have oh, to schedule crazy. when you will have your fast passes. You can what? have up to really? three at a time. So you can have like basically three a day for different attractions. And um, it's it's really convoluted and it really sucks. And a lot of people, even a lot of Disney fans, don't like it because going to Walt Disney World is already an experience, a regimented experience. You already need to know 
you know, where your dining reservations are or basically what park you'll be in that day. You generally need to have kind of a plan if you want to actually see everything. You need to kind of, like, get there early and know which rides to get on first. You already kind of had to do that. Now you have to do all of that as well as have these three fast passes line up, you know, 2 p.m., 4.45 p.m., 6.21 p.m. with your dining reservations. And if you are on different tickets, like, this is fine for, like, say, a family with young children or something. But, like, I went with my girlfriend, and it was my father and my mother, so it was, like, two sets of adults who all have different schedules and different things are going on. So it was, like, almost impossible to actually, like, go to the park together and, like, wow. do these things That's together. Crazy. It is an insane system. It sounds like my worst nightmare. It really, it really sucks because it takes Man. all of that fun <laughs> of, like, oh, maybe we'll, you know, get into this ride today. Because totally I, re- I read this, like, long really fascinating wired article about the development of this technology my magic plus or whatever yeah and it was it definitely made it sound a lot more seamless than you are uh (laughs) than you are making it seem yeah i mean and it made the like the argue the reason i brought it up is because the argument i'm sorry not the argument the article like in said within it that like various um other institutions like um sports arenas and like airports and stuff have contacted disney to be like can like can we license this technology to use in our thing to like manage crowd control and like queuing and stuff I, parts of it are great like it is great to have say your room key and your ticket and like the ability to get fast passes or whatever like t- all in one, on all in one, a, one, it's basically yeah. a wristband you can go to the shower with it you can go in the pool with it and all things like that that's cool. It's nice to have everything in one place. It's just the degree to which it requires extra planning, which feels like a very Disney thing, a very Walt Disney World thing. Well, you know what's funny about that? So I know that you East Coast types are so disdainful <laughs> of Disneyland because it's like the tiny bullshit one. But like, <laughs> I've just never been there. It's, it, it's nothing like that. Like it's yeah. smaller, but one of the things about it is that even when it's pretty crowded, like we were there last week and it was spring break, spring break. season. Oh, yeah. So it was like you know, pretty crowded relative to, to like how it can get, but like you can still just kind of go around and do stuff. Like that sounds nice. You know what I mean, like <laughs> I, I never have felt the way that you describe at Disneyland. I have never felt the way you describe feeling at Disney world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we like w- the one exception to that for us was we got up at like really early because we were staying in one of the on property hotels. Mm-hmm. So we got like an hour early, extra magic like, hours. Yeah. Yeah. To go get on the fucking cars ride. That's like the most popular goddamn thing. That's like hours yeah. wait. Um, so we, we got up early to do that. But like, other than that, you pretty much just wander around and like do stuff as you have the, and sometimes so the line's too long. Great. So you just do a different thing instead. Yeah. I mean, that's, then, that's the way Disney yeah. world used to be. Like when I was very young and I was going there, you know, fairly often, that's kind of how it was. You would wake up early to do the, like, big roller coaster or one or two big things. And then other than that, you just walk around the park and you do what you feel like doing. It's it's just gotten absolutely crazy. Also, Walt Disney World specifically has just such a massive marketing campaign for like never, ever having a downtime, basically. Like the run Disney stuff. There are something like 15 races, like running races at Walt Disney World. So like there are, there are just never any... Disneyland as well, but probably not as many. Yeah, I, I know Disneyland certainly has them. It's just, it's like a... It, my mother again could tell you all about this. Maybe I'll bring my mom to the podcast one day. <laughs> That'll be amazing. Just Disney Danielle's Disney mom, you know, basically. Right. Um, but there are just never downtimes anymore. And whenever there is a quote unquote downtime, they shut. That's when oh, they you shut mean down like attractions. In terms of busyness. Yes, it is always oh, oh, nuts oh, oh, at Walt oh, Disney I World. I misunderstood what you meant. Oh yeah. no, I'm sorry. I thought you meant like for your own visit. 
Yeah, and yeah, no, just like in terms of actual attendance. Like I right. have been there. I used to go often on New Year's Eve, and that's one of the days where it, it's peak attendance, and they actually don't let people into the park even if they have a ticket. Like they actually, like for fire reasons, basically can't let anybody else in, and it, and it can be kind of miserable. Like you can't go yeah. to anything. You have to wait in long lines, like to use the bathroom, things like right. that, or to buy like a sandwich. That's crazy because it's like so that. huge. It's massive. Yeah. God, Disneyland is so much tinier than that. It's never felt like that to me. Not that I've ever been there on New Year's Eve, but like sure. But I've never, yeah. It's it's a fascinating place. But yeah, this, this My Magic Plus, or I think that's what it's called, is really, it would have been cool if they could just kind of kept it at the, here's your stuff, you know, instead yeah. of making you regiment your fast yeah. passes and have to, you know, sort Crazy. of decide on them weeks ahead of time. There is a restaurant, uh, the last story, this is the last story <laughs> I will tell. There is a restaurant at Walt Disney World that to get a reservation there, because they accept reservations, it's six months ahead of time. They may have changed six? it. They may have changed it at this it's point. Like two, it's only two at Disneyland. But for but for a long time, there was a six month exact thing, and because it was such a limited thing, and it was such a you know like this is like a princess buffet or something. I don't know the exact details, but you had to call at exactly seven oh one a.m. on the day that would be six months ahead of time, and if you couldn't get through within fifteen minutes, you just had to quit because you would re- never get in. There's restaurants like that in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. no, I That's know. That's how you get into like. The fat duck or like yeah. Yeah, French laundry or French something. Laundry like, that's or how something. you deal with that. I didn't know like Disney but World. It's in, yeah, but it's in the same. Disney World. Like yeah. that's what's so crazy about it. Yeah. Um, wow. All right. So. Anyway. <laughs> Shea Pierce writes, kids are dumb. I played Wolfenstein 3D when I was a kid, but I would exclusively play it with a kid. One of us would turn around and move the character, and the other one would fire the gun. It was great. This was the entirety of my PC first-person shooter experience until I played Half-Life nine years later. Wow. Uh, nice. I always thought we were the only ones to play this way. Also, when I was five years old, I believed that it rained at night every night, always. (laughs) (laughs) He's from England. Yeah, I think he's from Texas. Oh, I think I I think I had seen some TV shows depicting rain at night, and basically I came to believe that for a few hours every night, no matter what, it always rained. (laughs) Since I was always asleep at night, I couldn't disprove this belief firsthand, so I never even questioned it. (laughs) I never asked anyone about it because why would you talk about such an obvious fact about the world? (laughs) It would be like asking someone whether the sun rose every day or just most days. If the ground was dewy in the morning, it was obvious to me why because it had rained the night before. If the ground was dry, I figured the water had dried up before I woke up. Also, I live in Houston, which does get a lot of rain. I had this belief for a while, maybe until age six. I think I watched a nature show show about owls, which featured no footage of nocturnal rainfall, and it finally started to dawn on me that this was all something I'd made up. (laughs) I've never told anyone about this until now. (laughs) And now you've told everybody. Idle thumbs confessions. That's incredible. One reason I love video games is because they possess the ability to put you in a mysterious and unfamiliar world, where the rules of that world are unclear and must be figured out via trial and error. It's worth noting that this is one type of game experience that a board game can rarely deliver, since they usually require players to learn the rules of the world before they begin to live in it. Mm. But a video game can make you feel like a child again, born into a strange world where the rules are unclear and easily misunderstood. Though I didn't have the patience to stay with it, I respect Starseed Pilgrim and games like it, which require you to puzzle out the rules of their world for yourself. I think that adults easily forget that 80% of the experience of being a kid feels like that, just figuring out what the world is and how stuff works. And I think it's a good mental exercise to put ourselves in that place sometimes. Shea Pierce. P.S. I forgive Jake for saying that beards are gross. And I even forgive him for comparing them to goatees, which are totally gross and undeserving of comparison to beards, which are awesome. That was a quality email. Yeah, yeah. good email. And, good, and good three-part email. That was there. a good one. Are board games always that regimented? Can you? I, must I be think um, uh, Risk Legacy 
kind of has a bit of that feeling because you have sealed components. Mm. I mean, after you've played it once, I suppose that like it's a little less novel, but like certainly the first time you play that game, I definitely remember feeling like, Oh man, I have no idea what these things are going to be. Yeah. That's really cool. And actually, um, you know, it's kind of like that is tales of the Arabian nights again, especially the first couple times you play it. There are kind of are no rules in that game. It's just a bunch of shit that people made up. Yeah. So like you decide to do something (laughs) and then you look it up in this big matrix and this like, 500 page book of like all the possible things that can happen and so there's just no way to predict you're like shit i'm at this like river and there's a like a evil spirit attacking me and like (laughs) i can run away or pray or drink the water or say something to him or attack it or hide and there's just no way to know because you're like oh i'll retreat that's like a safe thing to do and it's like as you run a tiger mauls you from the forest and you're like what the fuck (laughs) it's amazing (laughs) it's just it's really fun as long as you go into it not expecting it to be a very board game like procedural yeah predictable like rule-based experience Excellent. Oh, and uh, I would say, like, maybe the Sherlock Holmes consulting detective game mm. is, like, that. that I really, really cool. need to play. Yeah. That game is, like, very much about logical deduction, but also it's kind of just stuff people made up. So, like, it's still mm. each. The game is, like, 10 cases, I think, and each one is just a uniquely written thing. And you, like, try to solve a mystery by looking up, by, like, reading through the newspaper, like, the fictional newspapers that are included and, like, That's scouring cool. them for clues and tracking down leads and visiting people and their homes and businesses and like ask them about things. And it has kind of that same, it's has kind of a bit of that Arabian nights thing where it's like, you just can't predict what's going to happen because it's just human behavior that someone has like thought of, but it's a little bit less bonkers. Like you're supposed to be able <laughs> yeah. to actually figure it out because you're supposed to try and like solve a mystery. Uh, but it's cool. I guess the more connections they have with like pen and paper RPGs and mm. things like that. Yeah. The yeah, less yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Ru- you just mm-hmm. need to know the basic rules of mm-hmm. yeah. and how to feel it out. Yeah. Makes sense. Played a weird. I don't know if it's a. It's not really a board game. It's not really a role playing game, but it kind of is. Uh, it's called Two Rooms and a Boom. Have you ever oh heard of this yeah, game? yeah, rooms yeah, and yeah. a boom. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a bomb defusal game, right? Kinda. Not really. <laughs> it's a game. Uh, you need two rooms. Okay. A bunch of people. And a boom. Uh, and uh, you get assigned like you have a card, um, and you're either on the red team or the blue team. And one person on the blue team is the president, and one person on the red team is uh, a bomber. Oh, right? And then yes. you have three okay. rounds. So you start in a room, and uh, you elect a leader of that room. And then after three minutes, the leader of that room has to meet the leader of the other room and exchange one hostage from their room. And then you have, there are three rounds of this. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the bomber is trying to get in the same room as the president. <laughs> That sounds really and cool. So yeah, that is a game where you kind of like Counter Strike. So you yeah. know that, <laughs> and then there are no more rules. So then you're like, uh, okay, how do we figure this out? Figure it all like, out from there. You can show each other what you are. You can try and conceal it, or yeah, it's um, it took us ages to figure out, but it was hilariously dumb. It sounds and, yeah. fun. Yeah, I like st- stuff like that. Is really good, like real world. I do. Know, I do enjoy things like that. People. I finally didn't escape the room. I'll talk about oh, this another great. time, but I, it was a spy-themed escape the room in New York. <laughs> oh, cool. It was really cool. But yeah, that's for... I can talk about that some other time. Someone mm. write in to ask Danielle about Coming this. Yes, Otherwise, we'll in. forget to bring it up. <laughs> write in questions at idlethumbs.net. All right, so here's, I guess, the last email for today. TTP from Anton Fletcher. He writes, Hey, guys, I've only recently started listening to the cast, tuning in for the late 190s. I'm trying to break in uh, to game development myself. Check out my green light. Then he has a link that's 
got numbers in it, Sweet. Uh, which somehow led me to the show. I found it an entertaining listen uh, on the way to and from my grown-up job as a sysadmin. There was quite a lot of talk about user-generated content, and I've been shocked that despite what appears to be some rather dirty minds, no one has mentioned TTP. TTP is the metric used in games with user-generated content to measure how long it will take until someone creates a penis. Time to penis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure. Were you aware of this concept? Yes. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I was not aware of this concept. <laughs> we call it Although, TTC. Time to uh, cock. Oh, sure. oh okay. very yeah. good. Very yeah. good. Mm. I'm not sure if it was created or popularized by the Penis Monster Simulator, more commonly known as Spore, but that's when I first became aware of it. Uh, anyway, love the show, despite the impact on my wallet, as you have solidified purchases of Besiege, Skylines, and Darkest Dungeon already. <laughs> I have a good cool uh, Time to Cock story, if oh, you yeah? like. Yeah, 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 I do. So, Please uh, do. Uh, I used to work for Media Molecule, mm-hmm. creators of such games as Little Big Planet. Um, and <laughs> before I got a job there, um, my friend Tom and I, who also got a job there, uh, were shocked that no penises were around. We we're like, where are all the, where, <laughs> yeah, are, all where the are they? It was like days of dead. Like the game came out. There's just no, no penises. No so, uh, Tom just made a huge giant, uh, little big planet sponge dick and, uh, Perfect. and then put a video of it on the internet. And then we got a, a job there later and then <laughs> so put a video down. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, which led him to make, a website which probably isn't around anymore, which is littlebigpricks.net or Excellent. something like that. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but it was just a collection of like, you know, UGC dicks basically uh, in other games. Yeah. That sounds delightful. I dealt with a lot of that stuff over the many years of working in Little Big Planet. I'm it's sure. fine. I, it's yeah, good. Of course. It's, it's, it's a good time scrubbing out the dicks, I'm sure. There yeah. is a, okay, this is like one of the strangest, <laughs> lewdest pieces of user-generated content I've ever seen. There is a GIF I saw. Um, when we were talking about Besiege, people would, like, send us a lot of, like, crazy videos of just, like, bonkers Besiege um, user creations. And one of the things that someone sent me on Twitter, I, I actually, I think, it, I guess it was a YouTube video. It was a video of a guy, of a huge, like, guy, like a big stick figure <laughs> guy yeah. in Besiege with a huge dong just <laughs> jacking himself off. Oh, and then it explodes at the end. Like, Of course it does. That's end. what happens. Yep. That's how it, it works. That's what I heard. One of the, like, it was weird to watch. <laughs> sure. You know, because, like, you're so, I mean, you're accustomed to seeing just, like, a goofy drawing of a penis or, like, yeah. some, but, like, this was so specific and, like, just relentless in what it was depicting. Like, there was no... It wasn't, like, a throwaway gag. It was, like, mm. someone had to really Somebody put some committed. serious engineering yeah. time into figuring out how to, like, create the sequence of events that... Co- like, it was, like, a complicated <laughs> thing that this person had to do. It was... We- it was, like, the dedication of it made it creepier than it already would have been, which was, like, considerable. Yeah. <laughs> It was yeah, really the imagination yeah. of, of people on the internet is really and dedication though. It's dedication, not, like it's, yes. there's just like persistence of like I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna do it. Like <laughs> And they're I, gonna I, get it right. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. Thanks for listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Send your penises to <laughs> questions at IdleFums.net. Please mainly other things. <laughs> Please mainly send that. questions, but you know. Um I'm going to throw out another, another uh, mention of our other podcasts uh, at idlethumbs.net. We also host other shows you might like, uh, which include, as mentioned earlier in this podcast, Terminal 7, hosted by Nels and Jesse. It's all about the sort of 
cult hit uh, board game, I'm sorry, uh, card game, Netrunner. Uh, we have designer notes from Soren Johnson, the designer of Civilization Four, and who also worked on Spore. Yes. Um, and uh, he does long form interviews with fellow game developers and gets really like into great detail about their their work and their careers and their opinions. Um, that's really cool. We have uh, three moves ahead. The premier strategy game podcast on the internet. They just celebrated their 300th episode. Oh my god! So they're a hundred, almost a hundred up on us. Wow! Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, they're great. They're still going. Their their uh, most recent episode had uh, some classic uh, panelist members on it, like Bruce Garrick, who I really I really oh, enjoy, excellent. and Tom Chick, I believe. And um, and uh, who else do we got? Is that it? Oh, there's Twin Peaks rewatch, which oh, Jake Jake and I do. It's all about. The uh, classic David Lynch, Mark Frost television show, Twin Peaks. And several of these shows, including uh, Twin Peaks Rewatch, Three Moves Ahead. Um, uh, oh, and Dota Today, which is Sean's Dota podcast, which I didn't mention. Uh, and Terminal 7. You can now buy uh, brief men- personal or commercial little mentions on. If you go to store.idlethumbs.net and go to on-air mentions, uh, if you want to get the uh, word out about like something you're working on or just sort of trash talk a friend or just <laughs> say a goofy message or happy birthday or whatever uh, for a fee. You can do that on several shows on our network store at idle thumbs.net go to on air mentions. And I will conclude this uh, network plug section. Now, thanks for listening. We uh, love your email. We've been getting a lot of it recently, actually, which is really cool. It's Yay. always nice to have more than we need. Uh, it's a good problem to have. You can send us more at questions at idlethumbs.net. We're on Twitter at idlethumbs, on Facebook at facebook.com slash idlethumbs. Our website is idlethumbs.net slash idlethumbs. And uh, and I stream at twitch.tv slash idlethumbs. Correct. All one word. And if you, like, if you want to experience this podcast on YouTube with fully annotated uh, kind of little table of contents, you can do that at youtube.com slash idlevideos. That is maintained by our extremely uh, helpful and uh, comprehensively uh, curatorial <laughs> friend, Johnny Driggs. Excellent. Man, that was a lot of stuff. Wow. That was said. a lot yes. of stuff. Also, a lot of good stuff. Also, Spaff is nodding off here, but you will you will wake up <laughs> for Robot. When you hear this. Robot shit, News. Which is, this episode was sponsored by Ex Machina, which is the upcoming sci-fi film directed by Alex Garland. Uh, we talked about it earlier. It sounds pretty exciting. The trailer is cool. That is coming out starting in April. April 10th in New York and LA, and then wide release probably starting the next week. Yep. Next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Super. Yeah. Man, thanks for listening. Also, thanks, Spaff. This episode is also brought to you by Spaff. Spaff. <laughs> One-fifth of this episode. Somewhere in between a fifth and a fourth, based on when Nick Brecken left, of this episode was brought to you by Spaff. Absolutely. My pleasure. Our pleasure. <laughs> thanks All for having me, pleasure. guys. The reader's pleasure. The re- <laughs> Spaff. <laughs> Spaff. The, the reader's, reader's pleasure. pleasure. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Bye.